Agnostics, agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, Jay. How are you doing this Friday, November 10th? I, I'm doing uh, uh, about as about as well as like uh, Dick Cheney and boat shoes. How about that? <laughs> okay. Well, that's a new one. I didn't. I, that's how I describe myself now. I, yeah. I didn't even expect that one. I, I like it. I, and I get the reference. We'll talk about that later. I'm actually doing fantastic because today is one of the most important days in oh, my gosh. year. Oh gosh, I should have I should have opened the show by wishing you a yeah, special day. That's right. It but is Please go ahead. It is the Marine Corps birthday number 248, 10 November 1775 in Tun Tavern, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. My Marine Corps was founded and I am always very happy to mention that. And Jay, I know you're a fan of Latin and so I think you'll appreciate the video that the core released marking the day, it opened with the phrase, let's see if I get the pronunciation right, um, uh, siwis pacum parabellum. Uh, uh, if we uh, show force, we'll have peace. You're pretty clear, yeah. If you desire peace, prepare so, for war, yeah. <laughs> so, prepare for war, yeah, okay, yes. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's, uh, like I said, big day in my personal calendar. And, it's, of course, it's followed by another big day, Tomorrow on the 11th, when I know a lot of our listeners uh, will be checking out the show, that vet, not only Veterans Day, but also lesser known, maybe you've heard of this one, Jay, uh, Singles Day. Are you familiar with Singles Day? I'm not familiar with Singles Day. 11-11, Singles Day. It was this, uh, this sort of unofficial holiday that some folks in China came up with in the early 90s to a way for kind of single people to... I don't know, celebrate or try to forget about their singleness by buying themselves something or getting together with other, I guess, single or not single people. But it, is, it has become the single biggest shopping day in the world. How about that? Because there are a lot of people in oh, China. Like an anti-Valentine's Day type thing. Uh, you know, so not, nothing like that. But, but anyway, so happy uh, Marine Corps birthday, Veterans Day, Singles Day, whatever. But uh, whatever the day is, we have a lot we want to get to. We want to talk about Joe Manchin's retirement and possible third party run and what that might mean. Uh, the recent elections this last week, particularly in Kentucky, Ohio, and Virginia, that New York Times Siena College poll that has Biden trailing in five of the six key swing states, uh, the Republican presidential debate, the censure of Representative Tlaib, uh, the uh, important case, I would argue, about the, uh, sorry, the Second Amendment, uh, United States versus Rahimi. Well, there's no way we'll get to all that on the regular show, but we'll fit in what we can here and the rest we'll get into our midweek supporters show. But before we get to any of that. Uh, over the last few weeks, a number of listeners have gotten in touch and told me that they're disappointed and frustrated. Now, normally, Jay, when oh, listeners no. are disappointed and frustrated, it's with you. And I was you say my my uh, my name usually comes right after and, those words. And I get that, you know, <laughs> I share that, but but this time it's with me, and they're disappointed and frustrated with me. Well, for not calling out you and May when they feel like you're saying things that are misleading or incorrect. So I'm falling down the oh, job. No. They don't really respect, expect anything more of you guys, but they kind of expect Right, right, right. They just them. expect you to be, yes, you know. understood. And, and, you know, I've given it some thought because uh, when I get student evaluations, which I've gotten for years, I always say, if I, if I have one comment from one student, I kind of ignore it. But if I start hearing multiple comments from different students, I think, well, maybe there's something here. And so I gave this some thought. and. Uh, yeah, I believe that this does happen, and I think it happens for one of three reasons. Number one. All right, we got a list. Yeah, it is a list, okay? A list of three. All right. Number one, I don't think what you or May, are, what you're saying is misleading or incorrect. So I'm not going to call you out if I don't disagree with you. And and that happens, okay. you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm or, saying. Or not necessarily disagree. You can still disagree, but yeah. agree on the underlying facts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, secondly, there could be something that I mean to comment on, but the way we do the show is oftentimes a response will have 
know, three, four or five points in there. And sometimes maybe I'll forget to bring something up in my response. So, um, and, and third, there can be instances where I'm just not familiar enough with a specific instance or fact that you or may bring up. And so I, I, I don't feel like I can call you out because I'm not sure if it's wrong. And, you know, obviously I can't do anything about number one. If I agree, if I don't disagree with you, I don't disagree. So there's no, nothing to call out. But for that second thing, I thought, well, I, I will do my best to try to take better notes when you're talking, when May's talking, so that I'm less likely to forget things that I want to bring up that I think might be off base. And if it's the third thing, if I'm just not familiar enough, but something doesn't seem quite right, I'll mention, I'll, I'll try my best to mention that and just say, well, I'll have to look into that. And yeah, and we've, we've done that lots of times yeah. before of like, hey, we'll look this up and get back to you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I really appreciate constructive criticism. I mean, I want to do the best job I can. And so understanding where I may sometimes fall short, that that helps me to get better. And I really do appreciate that. And so I love getting this sort of feedback. And if there's really ever anything you feel that I get wrong or Jay or May, any of our hosts gets wrong, we want to know about it and we will do our best to respond ideally on the show. And, and of course, specific critiques are the most helpful. For instance, last week, uh, someone wrote in, your coverage of the Middle East was awful, something like that. You left Jay, so you much. Suck. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, well okay. That doesn't <laughs> give us a lot of show. Yeah. yeah, you know, so if, if you can be specific, that helps because we really do want to be as fact and reality based as we can. If we get something wrong, we want to correct it. So thank you and keep the constructive criticisms coming. All right, moving on. Yeah, actually, oh, I, I can take or leave the constructive criticism. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, uh, the hell with the constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah, by all means. <laughs> well, I want them at least. So there you go. Okay. All right. So moving on. On Thursday, November 9th, West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin announced that he would not be running for reelection. Manchin's been in the Senate since 2011, and he was likely to lose to his Republican challenger, Jim Justice. But now, what was a big, big Jim, Jim Justice, yeah, big Jim Justice, great name, as, as, as uh, President Trump refers to it, him. It, of so. course he does. Yeah. <laughs> so, big Jim. Once you heard the name, the endorsement was bound to follow, I think. <laughs> you know. But 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 now it was, you know, it was a likely Republican pickup. Now it's pretty much a guaranteed Republican pickup. Um, and in making his announcement, Manchin said he would be traveling the country and speaking out to see if there's an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. And of course, for a while now, there's been spe speculation that Manchin, well, he might be enticed to run it as the no labels parties candidate. And initially, I'll remind folks, the party said they would not run a candidate if they didn't believe there was a chance that candidate could win. I checked their strategy statement as of today, and it says they'll run only under the proper environmental conditions, which will be measured through regular polling and research. And that's, of course, a very different statement. I think you'll agree, Jay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and at this point, no labels. They have ballot access in 12 states. And there are two of those are battlegrounds, Arizona and Nevada. And and, and honestly, I would be surprised, especially if Manchin is interested, if no labels didn't find a way to conclude that those proper environmental conditions had been met. So uh, especially given the fact that they're planning on raising a ton of money, uh, something like $70 million, and uh, it just seems to me unlikely that they're just going to look at this and say, well, you know, nah, we're not going to do that. So. I guess, Jay, I want to get your sense first about what you think about Manchin's retirement. Then we can move on to the no labels third party thing and how we think that might affect the race. So on, on the retirement, I guess it's that's not um, super surprising. Right. Um, I think uh, Manchin was looking at a tough race um, uh, for reelection from Big Jim Justice. Um, and he's he's in the unfortunate position of of uh, he's disillusioned a lot of the uh, hardcore uh, Democrats um, and Republicans. Well, they've got uh, big Jim Justice to vote for. So, um, you know, I think he'd pick up some Republican votes, but 
it's it's you know one West Virginia is a a red state to begin with, so he's he's kind of swimming upstream to start. Um, uh, so I, I I think that makes sense. Uh, there was talk for some time about him maybe he would run for West Virginia governor or something, but I think that maybe presents some of the same problems, not all the same problems, but some of them. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Um, uh, this this is and politics, Mike. You'll you'll get this, and some of our listeners of a certain age. Well, the game Donkey Kong, right? There's there's one level where you got to jump on the different like riser things that go up. Okay, yeah. And if you if you don't jump off in time, like you die. And I get you. So you don't okay. want to jump too soon. You want to jump to another riser that's going up. Um, but uh, you have to time it right. So that's that's what I I often think this is right. It's it's you've got to you've got to jump on the right time. You you can't just keep riding the same uh, lift um, where you get killed. Or if you jump too soon, um, you just kind of fall to your death. So I think this is one of those mansions was probably looking at. He'd had to jump pretty soon. Um, so he did. Yeah. And, and also um, I'll point out that, you know, he's 76 years old and maybe he's just done at this point. I, I can, I can see where he might just think, well, you know, I'm, I've been at it for a long time. He's, I'm, he'll, he'll be fine, yeah. you know. And hell with all you guys. Yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, what do you think? How about the third party run sort of thing? I mean, his statement, I think, more than left the door open. But I'm trying to figure out what Joe Manchin gets out of this, and and I'm I'm struggling a little bit because there's no way that a no labels candidate can win, and so. There are some people, sort of very Machiavellian conspiracy theory people, who are saying this no labels has always been a closet MAGA sort of operation. Uh, Mother Jones did a found some information about some of the donors, and they concluded they were, you know, a lot of conservatives who might be inclined to want to support Trump over Biden. This would be kind of a underhanded way of 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 doing that. I, I don't know what what's your take on that. No, I don't particularly buy that. Um... If anything, most of the time, no labels type and, and the, the no labels group has, has been around for for a while. Um, uh, I shouldn't say a while, but what, 10 years, probably. So I predates I, Trump. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, and that's that's a fact we can double check if I'm wrong. But uh, I, I believe that it, it does. Um, no, I, I don't think that that's. The big conspiracy theory, and and it's also it wouldn't really make sense, um, given that uh, what we'll talk about later. I mean, Trump could be in within striking distance, right? Um, so if you're going to spend money, we'll just just spend it on Trump, um, if that's your your real plan. So, um, yeah, that that just seems too complicated. Now, Manchin said he's going to go on sort of a listening tour, which I think is is good and sort of. You know, he'll go and see who starts showing up and and uh, gauge the response and see what money starts coming in. Um, I would I would have a little um, more optimistic view of of his chances than you. Not much, um, because I would I would agree one of the iron laws in politics is third parties always lose. Um, but this is a this is a weird year. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a year where the two uh, incumbents, I'll say two incumbents because they, you know, both essentially are, um, have, have been so universally disliked. Uh, well, 2016 comes to mind. <laughs> what's that? 2016 comes to mind. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, I suppose. But even there, you know, the difference there was, um, neither one had been president. This one, you've you've got two people who have actually been president now running against each other, um, and everyone knows sort of what they're getting, um, whereas they didn't before. Um, but, but I wonder. You know, my thought yeah. back, my thought back in, in 2016 was that, uh, and I was incorrect in this, uh, was that so much of the 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 Trumpian bravado and behavior was all just an act, and that's just kind of what he does for the press, uh, and that he would grow uh, in office. Um, that turned out to to not be the case. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess if people are looking for an alternative, I don't know that it's a seventy six year old white guy from West Virginia, right? I mean, I it's not, it's, I, it doesn't spring to mind. I think, you're, I think we're sort of limited to, to seventy something uh, 
Uh, he would be. He would add a uh, uh, a little bit of youth uh, and vigor to the race, <laughs> yeah, no perhaps at, at seventy six. <laughs> oh yeah, the relative um, spring he would chicken. Be, he yeah. would be uh, the youngest candidate. Uh, uh, um, you know, those other two. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, but I think it's I think it's worthwhile him doing this, right? And and I'm trying to think of other. Um, you mean the listening tour, or not necessarily running? Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, the listening tour. I mean, and let's let's see what happens because there's a couple of different things. One, right, when people are polled, um, there I think there always is this tendency, and you could probably back me up with actual data of people saying, ah, "I don't like either one of them." The hell with all of them, right? Um, you know, sort of along the same lines of, you know, how do you think Congress is doing? Well, it's always uh, horrible, but you know, your guy's always doing pretty well. Um, so I think there's there's that out there that, you know, when push comes to shove, um, you know, do you want Donald Trump or, or uh, uh, Joe Biden? Well, neither one, the hell with them. Do you want John Donald Trump, Joe Biden or. Um, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, well, well, that's well, that you know I mean? I think, I think no, that, the question is actually put to you. Yeah, that's a great point, because there was a Wall Street Journal uh, analysis from today finding that a third party candidate uh, or third option would pull more votes from Biden than Trump. But the way it's phrased is Donald Trump, Joe Biden, third party candidate. And that's always that's exactly your point right. is that people are like, oh, it, yeah, it's sort of it's sort of you go to the restaurant. Would you like the beef, the chicken or do you want to hear the special? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll exactly. hear the special. I might not. I'm, I'm, but I might not order it. Yeah. So, so uh, it's all very, very speculative. I mean, there were a while back. It's mostly Democrats who are concerned about a no labels campaign. But I don't think the case is all that clear that a candidate that a ticket would necessarily pull more from Biden than from Trump. It, it depend very much on the candidates. And we just don't have any really good polling on this sort of thing. Uh, a while back, Carl Rove wrote an opinion piece in, in, in fact, the Wall Street Journal arguing that, no, Republicans should be concerned about this. And so there's a lot that's up in the air. I don't know that it's a certainty that Joe Manchin is going to run. There are a lot of people who seem to think that, but uh, we'll we'll wait and see. So I guess my my thought on who would be more likely to cross over is I think it's easier for Democrats uh, to maybe say, look, we want a guy who has been a Democrat, is a Democrat. Uh, maybe we don't agree with him on everything, um, but he's not Trump. Yeah. And so and, yeah. and and we're concerned that. Yeah. And, and, and we don't think and we think otherwise Trump will beat Biden. Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for that. And so the person at the top of the ticket there, that, because the unity ticket that No Labels wanna, wants to run is uh, uh, going to be a two-party, right, two-party ticket. And so I would I would expect that if the Democrats at the top, that might be that might be the case. But but again, No Labels can only be a spoiler, just simply because they don't have the resources to run. Uh, anywhere close to a 50 state campaign. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, it's not a stunt. No, I, I would tend to agree with you on that. There's, you need the infrastructure. Yeah. And the infrastructure, um, and you there. can't be building that a year before the election. Uh, if if there is a there is a case to be made that this could work. Let's say you remember back in 2020, Mike Bloomberg was a was a presidential candidate for, for a hot minute. Well, actually, for around four months or something like that. He spent a billion dollars. Well, if Mike Bloomberg were, were willing to put that billion dollars he spent on that sort of sad attempt to become president into a third party, and he got a few other folks to do that, and they were willing to wait eight, 10, 12 years and build something up, then maybe, maybe, but still the odds are stacked against it. But without that, well, and, the, and, the re and, and there's a reason behind that. And that is that in most cases, third parties are sort of protest parties, right? They don't have sort of their own ideology coming, coming out. So for example, it was, I'd say it's different, the Republican party emerging from the Whig party, right? right. There yeah. was something brand new. Um, uh, you know, the dogmas of the past are are uh, insufficient for the uh, whatever of today, as, as Lincoln said. And, and, you know, there was a, hey, we're we're different. We're not just protesting these guys. We're actually. Um, so I think that's I think that's that's something. But, yeah. So usually if you're protesting, it's more just like I don't like this guy um, or I don't like this. You know, I'm mad about this one particular particular issue. Like for like example, in Ross Perot, it was was trade. Um, 
but they don't stick around long enough to build a, a coherent party with that infrastructure. Yeah, I think what's at least somewhat different potentially about this moment is that it's not issue based, it's extremism based because we have a political system on both sides that tends to award, reward extremism in primaries and push those people up as the as the general election candidates that a lot of folks in the center are just not necessarily all that crazy about. And so that maybe shifts the dynamic some, but I don't think nearly enough for a party without literally billions of dollars in commitments, financial commitments to build would uh, be able to do anything with. Yeah. So I, I will say something that I, I may regret saying, um, but I'll say it because I, I'm, I'm confident that it will never happen. Um, and that would be my advice to Joe Biden. If you want to assure yourself of victory, um, uh, I would make Joe Manchin your vice president. That would be that would be an it may ever be an interesting. Now, wouldn't that wouldn't that be something? No, again, <laughs> I don't think I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't oh, think no, you could do it. Um, I, but uh, for a bunch of reasons. But I, I think that ticket would be unbeatable. That would I think that would be a really tough. I think you're right about that. But of course, the yeah, for so many reasons, uh, Joe, Joe Biden's base would not even consider letting him do that. Well, I don't know. I think I think the base might come around in that if they say, listen, this is a surefire winner. Um, it it would know, help. And, certainly. And we know, we know Joe is, is unlikely to make it through a second term. I didn't think he'd make it through a first term. Um, and and you know the alternative is Trump. Um, I get it. There would be a lot of people in the in the base who would be unhappy about doing that. Um, right. I see what you're saying. But sure. I think they still would. And I think there would be Republicans who would say, you know what, uh, I I can't stand Biden, but uh, I'm okay with Joe Manchin. And you know what, I don't see Biden serving the whole thing, so I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, we'll do this and uh, no Trump, and and maybe we get a pre president Manchin. Now, again, I, I think that will never, never, ever, ever happen. But I'm just saying. Interesting piece of advice. All right. Yes. Well, there we go. Let's move on to the recent the elections this past week. Uh, voters in, let's see, Ohio, Kentucky, Virginia and Ohio. The focus was mainly on a proposal that would uh, enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution. Now, there was a second measure as well about the legalization of recreational marijuana. Both of those passed with comfortable margins. The abortion won by 13 points. The recreational marijuana won by 14 points. Then there was Kentucky, a deep red state. Incumbent Democratic Governor Andy Bashir beat his Republican challenger, State Attorney General Daniel Cameron, by five points. This is in a state that went to Donald Trump by 26 points in 2020. And then in Virginia's state legislative election, Democrats won a majority in their House of Delegates and maintained control of the state Senate, though the margin in both chambers is still very close. And Virginia's Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin, he worked pretty hard to persuade voters to give his party a legislative majority, but obviously not enough of them were persuaded. So, Jay, I thought we'd start with our state, Ohio, where, by the way, I wanted to mention I voted on election day in person for the first time in over a decade. All right. That's the way that's the way it's meant to be, Mike. <laughs> anyway, um, so let, let's begin. And, with, and how was your how was your experience? Did you have any issues? I, I went. Did anyone try to disenfranchise you or, or anything like that? It, it was there, there were more poll workers than there were voters uh, when I went. So it was they were they were like, ah, come on in. Hey, how you doing? Uh, come to me. <laughs> it was it was, a, it was kind of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So there you go. Um, I, I thought we'd start with issue one. That's the big one. It not only legalized abortion, but it put the right to an abortion in the state constitution. So a couple of things I'm wondering, Jay. Number one, if you were surprised at the result, particularly the margin of victory, given that Ohio, okay, to, for folks who don't know, Ohio used to be a purple state. Now it's solidly red. Republicans control all statewide offices. They have something like three to one margins in both chambers of the state legislature. This is, I said, 13 points. That's pretty big. What do you think about that? Um, I, you know, maybe it's a little higher than I thought. I would have if, if you had asked me and I wasn't on the show, but a couple, I would have I would have said it was likely to win by like 10 or so. Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess it, it surprised me a little bit. Um, 
it, did it did it shock me? Uh, no. Um, and I think there's a lot of you know reasons we can go into um, how it played out. I, I think the the right to life folks, the the no one issue uh, one um, folks did did not run a good campaign. Um, they did not run much of any campaign. Uh, at least in my up in my parts. Now it could it could be northeast of Ohio, Cleveland. They may have they may have just kind of conceded Cleveland and not really done anything. But I don't know if they did anything well, down they, in your neck of the woods, ten million which would have dollars. Been more fertile ground. Oh yeah, they spent ten million dollars. So I mean, it wasn't it ten million, but that's not that's oh, that's not going to get you anywhere. But I guess here's line. here's what I wonder. I, that's not necessarily a bad argument. But as National Review pointed out this week, the pro life side they're now zero for seven in abortion referenda since Dobbs. And so this is not just a fluke, unless you want to believe these are somehow miraculously seven really bad campaigns. It seems no, to no, me- No, no, no. And okay. I, you, you didn't let me finish because okay, I ahead. wasn't going to say do. that it's, it's not entirely that, you know, um, they, they ran a bad campaign. Part of it also, I would say, and again, I hesitate a little bit and feel bad about saying this, um, because I have I have friends in the Ohio Right to Life movement organization and who've you know uh, been big life supporters um, uh, for, who I've known for years, uh, but I would say there's an overall just botched strategy going back a decade or so, um, and this is something that that you and I have talked about a number of times and the the problem of of free votes and virtue signaling uh, in that uh, the the um, measure that became law uh, in Ohio after after Dobbs uh, was decided was this so-called heartbeat bill, which essentially um, outlawed abortion after more or less uh, six weeks. Uh, and there are there are a whole bunch of problems with the heartbeat bill. One being it's you know again there's there's variations on when you know no one knows for sure um, when that. You know, different people detect heartbeats different times and, and, and so forth. Um, there could be heartbeat detected, you know, in some cases before someone necessarily even knows they're pregnant. I mean, all sorts of um, uh, issues there. But it was a thing of the the right to life movement sort of ran on this. And, and interestingly, if, if you remember, Mike, uh, Governor Kasich vetoed it. Right. Governor DeWine signed it in 2019. Yeah. Kasich before. And, and another thing I'll mention on that is uh, there were no exceptions for rape or incest in yeah. that one as well. And that's been a big yeah. sticking point. And again, there was this sense of it is all just kind of virtuous, virtuous signaling because it's, you know, everyone knew, well, it's not really constitutional yet. It's not going to take effect. Um, so there, there wasn't necessarily a vigorous debate on, you know, are we serious about this? Uh, because everyone knew they, they weren't. And it was just a matter of a, a sometimes competing as to who could be the uh, the most pro-life, and and that's what they ended up with. Um, and the the problem is now they had something that when they were called upon to actually defend it, uh, they they didn't have really great grounds to do so. Um, I think there could have been so much more. And this this also goes back to um, some of my involvement on, on that issue back when I worked for the legislature. Is we had uh, put together a um, late-term abortion uh, uh, bill. Um, and you know, really, we're, went, we're we're pretty scrupulous in trying to say this is something that we want to be constitutional, right? We want to be able to, if this goes to the Supreme Court, be able to defend it and maybe win. Maybe this is the one that overturns Roe. Um, secondly, we wanted uh, something that was politically defensible that you could win on, um, and and I I think we had that right. It, it had the, the rape and incest uh, uh, exceptions. Um, it had, uh, uh, you know, it, it relied on the Casey viability language, but included um, the health was was defined as um, a serious impairment of bodily function. Yeah, so it's yeah. not just a, you know, so anyway, my so maybe it's like a little personal pride of like, look, I would have done it differently. Um, but but to me, that's that's a big problem. Right. They they passed something that they were not going to be able to to defend. Um and uh, and they couldn't. And it's so. and it's not like their base would let them all of a sudden pass a new measure of say fifteen weeks with a rape and incest exactly, exception. Yeah, yeah. But, so they just exactly. but look at but look, if you look at yeah, if they, had they done something like fifteen weeks, right, Mississippi, and you can have the argument of listen, uh, here all the polls show that uh, uh, you know people support a right to abortion, but they don't support 
uh, an unlimited right to abortion, and they think there ought to be a uh, a period after which it should be prohibited. Uh, uh, you know, with with the exceptions for health, uh, health, uh, life of the mother, and rape and incest, and so forth. Um, and hey, most of Europe uh, does fifteen weeks, and um, God knows they're smart. Um, you know what I mean? So I, what I'm saying is, is that would be a lot more defensible um, than then we had the the heartbeat bill which again the whole heartbeat thing it's it's a little it's a little gimmicky um in and of itself right so do you, do you that's, that's sort of that's sort of where, I, where i'm coming from on, on that is that uh uh there there were sort of strategic faults uh that were baked into this um you know a decade ago uh and and even even after that um there was poor execution so and and now, of course, I'm not I'm not sure good execution could have saved it, but I think it could have narrowed the margin. Yeah, I, I think that I think that makes sense. And and now, of course, Democrats seeing all this, they're trying to get abortion uh, referenda or, or sorry, abortion initiatives on the ballot in as many states as they can. Ideally, in swing states, they're focusing particularly on Arizona and, and Nevada, thinking that this is going to be an issue that's going to you know, have down ticket or other other effects. Right. And uh, Donald yeah. Trump, of course, just this summer, Donald Trump said uh, after 50 years of failure with nobody coming even close, I was able to kill Roe versus Wade, much to the shock of everyone. Without me, there'd be no six weeks, 10 weeks, 15 weeks or whatever. Uh, without me, the pro-life movement would have just kept losing. And I think that's you, you combine that with energizing voters on this issue. And that's that's the strongest Democratic issue right now, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. And again, I think there's going to be something that that's going to play out differently in different states, depending on um, what their what their state laws are, what their state laws defaulted to uh, after Dobbs. Um, So I I I don't know. uh, I, I think I think sometimes uh, Arizona and Nevada, you could be in for more of an uphill battle. Um, uh, in some cases, if you have a lot of Hispanic voters who tend to be religious, tend to be Catholic, uh, but tend to vote Democrat, they might see, you know, a fall off there that that they might not expect. You know, um, the, there was so again. I, I say it's I, so. I'm just gonna say I, I think it varies state to state. Yeah, the, the other piece I, I I would say is I don't think that I think you can very very easily make the argument that um, uh, abortion is more popular than Joe Biden. Um, which well, is sort of saying something. I, I, I wouldn't um, put it that way. I, I would say that uh, not. I would say that removing or reducing a woman's right to self determination in her body is uh, very unpopular. Yeah, and well, I would say almost. I mean, again, this is just um, how you frame the question, and uh, again, you know, the the pro life side failed miserably. Um, but if you can frame this as, as freedom, right. As, Hey, we're getting rid of this ban to stop the ban. Right. Um, that's, that's a much bigger winner than, uh, um, you know, than, than arguing that, cause again, the, do you think this, do, do you think this stays an issue? Uh, we have a, a listener with us today who's wondered, you know, 50 to a hundred years, are, are people even going to be arguing over this as a political issue? Kind of like with, Birth birth control used to be a hot yeah. issue back in the fifties and sixties, but now not so much. And and I, my take on that is, I, I that's well, this, all our consciousness implanted in the clone of bodies and stuff by that time. Well, so yeah, special. there's that too. Once the singularity comes, yeah, but but no, I I think this is fundamentally different, and because it's viewed by you know a good chunk of the American public as uh, murder. I don't see that changing. And so I don't see this issue going away like some other social issues may have. Like, for instance, the marijuana issue is, is you know, kind of going away, as we've seen in Ohio. You know. Well, I think I think that may be back uh, in years to come. Well, we'll talk about that in, in just a minute. I, I, but, yeah, I, but, but that's that's another thing. Um, I think there's there's also the, a lot of Democrats in the, the, the pro-choice uh, movement um, now has the problem of, of they've chased the car and they've caught it. Um, and I'm not sure what they, what they do next. Right. I mean, um, so it's, it's great. Uh, you know, they generated a great turnout uh, for issue one. Um, 
can you generate that same turnout for a Democratic presidential candidate next year? No, I don't Joe know. Biden. That, that, I mean, you know, you, yeah. you want more than that. Yeah, ideally, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to say, remember how much fun it was last year? You know what I mean? That's sort of the, um, or, or you have to make some sort of argument of, oh, your rights are still at risk. And it's a bit, but nobody's going to really buy that, I don't think, right? When you, when you do, you put this in the state constitution by that much of a, um, uh, a margin. Um, yeah. And there are only so many states where you can do that, that, that allow, you to bypass. Right. And you can only do it. You can only do it once for the most part. Yeah, exactly. So I, I want to move. Unless, okay. unless, let's put it this way, unless the right to life crowd um, would do something so strategically stupid, um, uh, so I- I- impossibly dumb, but yet still quite possible uh, and go and say, OK, we want <laughs> we are we're going to let's have a do over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to move from the politics to the policy of it, because if here's my here's what I'm wondering. uh, And I I ask these questions, I think, in good faith, if the concern of the pro-life movement is saving lives, which I I think it is. I wonder Mm -hmm. if pushing for really strict restrictions on abortions that voters end up overturning, if that's the best way to get what they want. I mean, another way, I guess, of looking at it is. When we look at certain other issues, like, for instance, gun violence, a lot of Republicans say, you know what, we need to focus on root causes, not taking guns. And you can use, I think, the same logic applies to abortions. For instance, let me, uh, some stats. The abortion rate in Ohio has gone down considerably over the last couple of generations. In 1982, it was around 46,000. In 2020, it was around 20,000. And 60% of those abortions in 2020 were women between the ages of 20 to 29 who were unmarried. Not only that, but we know that unplanned pregnancy is by far the biggest reason women give for having an abortion. Also, that women who are at or below the poverty line, something like twice as likely to not use birth control than wealthier women. And poor women who are not trying to conceive are something like three times more likely to get pregnant. And if you put all that together, I think you can say if your goal is to minimize abortions, then something like the $10 million that the right to life folks put into this failed, clearly disastrously failed campaign. What what kind of what kind of th- good things can you do to get women in situations so they don't have to make that horrible decision? I mean, for instance, yeah, uh, you know, like uh, like uh, implants. There are these implants that you can uh, put in your arm, good for like three years or something like that, around a thousand bucks a pop. You know, basically things like that. There are IUDs, other things as well that are sort of long term uh, things that if you fund programs that make that kind of birth control available to women at or below the poverty line. I wonder if you don't do more, ultimately do more good than what they're doing now. And again, I, 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 I really want to get your take on this. Well, I, I would tend to agree with you on the diagnosis, um, but disagree on the pres- prescription. Um, okay. And, and this is, I mean, we say this like all the time, and people have said it a lot of times before us, but uh, politics is downstream from culture. and you know it let's let's win the um uh that war uh you know as as um uh clinton said right he wants abortion to be safe legal and rare the well then then the pro life should start focusing on the rare piece of it um i i would say maybe you know not you know federally paid for implants or state paid for implants is, is the way to go necessarily but um there are, uh, you know, I know there were there were discussions uh, among folks in the conservative movement about now that Dobbs is over, maybe uh, we tee up a a different sort of uh, pro woman, pro child agenda, right? Making sure that if you want to have your child, here's you have the resources to do it, healthy prenatal care, all all that sort of thing. Um, so it's sort of a, the the other side of what what you're sure. suggesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I would say most conservatives would you know don't object to birth control. Um, I might object a little bit to the government um, giving people implants. Um, 
just just at the the idea at some point um where the outlaw margaret sanger uh, founder of planned parenthood would would say that at, at what point does the uh, right to get uh, an implant sure. it uh, maybe become gets a duty? Into, yeah, it, it gets into some kind of <laughs> potential. At what point does the government start really suggesting that uh, you ought not to reproduce? Um, and that, so that, you know, that would, I, I think, uh, is, is a problem. But but no, I, I agree. I, I think it's at some point um, you you do better by focusing elsewhere. Now, the problem is um, everyone has a constituency. Uh, and you know, so it, there's this weird sort of thing of everyone's always trying to rack up the biggest, the biggest, you know, the legislative win. I mean, that's going to be the much bigger feather in the cap for someone uh, than to just say, hey, you know, over the last five years, um, abortions have declined by X percent. Um, it's it's a lot tougher to get fundraising um, to, to keep running your organization. Um when you're talking about, hey, we're making these changes, changes that you can't necessarily assign to anything you're doing. It could be changes in demographic. You know, for example, if the, the rate of abortion goes down, that could be related to things like uh, changes in demographics, uh, the economy, um, uh, possibly availability of birth control. It could be related to religious attitudes. It could, you know, all, all sorts of, you know, a, a million different factors. Um, so it's it's difficult to say if it goes up or down that, uh, hey, now you, um, uh, you know, please give us money uh, so we can continue our good work. OK, well, why don't we move on to issue two, that marijuana issue? Now, Ohio is the 24th state to legalize recreational marijuana. And again, this one by even a larger margin than the abortion thing, 14 points. Jay, again, I'll same question for you. Did, did this surprise you, not just the win, but the wide margin? This this surprised me less. Um uh, surprised me less, but disappointed me more. Um, okay. <laughs> so, Talk about that. Yeah. I um, hear this. I mean, look, I, I'm it, the, I think the, the experience in, I don't know, people from States, uh, like California, like Colorado, um, places like New York city can, you know, can chime in with, with their thoughts, but I, I just don't think this is, this is good, uh, uh public policy. And, and uh, based on what's happened in a lot of these places, um, based on uh, mental health outcomes, um, and I know everybody gets all mad if you ever suggest that uh, weed is might not be good for you. Um, and and also, I'll, I'll I'll take some hits from the, the libertarian crowd that on the one hand I should say, well, you know, what do I care um, uh, if if somebody's going to uh, smoke? Um, but I think at, at some point. It does start affecting things like uh, the workforce, the ability to hire people, um, uh, you know, safety of of, of driving uh, kids. So I understand, of course, you know, kids can't get this, but they will. Uh, and you're going to move that back. And, and the, the idea of having gateway drugs, um, the, the mental health crisis that uh, a lot of kids have been going through um, over the past couple of years, I mean, out of you know, social media, pandemic, et cetera, you, you name it. Uh, I, I don't think this helps. I think it, it makes it worse. But, but um, I wonder, I guess. It, and also just the, I don't know, Mike, this, this is, and I'll tell you, this is, this is my just aesthetic objection to it. Um, it's just kind of a dirty kind of sleazy kind of feeling. I don't know. I, I just, you know what I mean? If, if you, if you've driven from uh, Ohio uh, and it's not going to be like this anymore, but into Michigan, uh, which I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, the first thing you see as you cross the border are all the billboards um, advertising the, the you know, pot shops or, or Michigan where it's legal. Um, all these things of, you know, free weed and, and, and so forth. Um, I, it's it's just kind of unsightly. And uh, do, do you um, feel do you feel the same way about legalized gambling? I mean, I, I guess I guess I'm, I'm wondering, <laughs> <a matter> of <laughs> fact, I, I'm wondering how far your nanny statism uh, extends in the social realm, I guess, because that's what it is. Right. I mean, no, no, I would say this is this isn't so much nanny. Again, I'm, I'm if you're making like the aesthetic argument. Right. Um, uh, and and I would, you know, I, I don't know. I, again, the legalized gambling thing when we there, there's just and that's also enshrined in Ohio's constitution. Um, which is uh, troubling, but uh, that's that's an issue for another day. Um, 
no, I, I, I understand, right? The idea of there, there are vices out there and, and people will partake of them. Uh, so you're better off regulating them, getting some tax revenue for them. Um, but uh, I, I, I kind of feel better sometimes that there's still, um, if not a, a wall, but, but sort of a fence you have to climb over a little bit to, to get to that vice. But do, do you think that and that, think that again, politics, this, is, this is not well, a political argument at all. This is just my own sort yeah. of personal aesthetic well, argument. You know, you love to say, and I agree with you, that politics is downstream of culture. Then do you think yeah. that these prohibitions should be should be put on the people, put on an unwilling public by the state? Or do you think that that's the job of the culture to uh, do that? Because normally well, I would expect you to say it's I, I think culture. it's better. It, I think it's better. It's more effective as it flows from the culture. Uh, and then I think you have the state uh, then that can enforce some of it. Now, I look, for example, I would I would argue that uh, a lot of the penalties for marijuana use, possession and so forth, uh, criminal penalties are, are over <laughs> overdone. Right. Um, but, you know, what, what, let me let's put it this way. Would Then would you say, well, what about cocaine? Well, all right. What about heroin? Well, you know, what I mean, it, it's I, I, I get that that. Um, Sure, there is a there's you know, the, a risk. At some, at some point, you're going to say yeah. yes. We do need a nanny state. Yeah, um, well, that, uh, just yeah. because of the dangerousness of of the, the substance or the thing you're talking about. Yeah, no, I, and I certainly agree with that. Well, one other thing um, on this, Jay, uh, as you probably know, Ohio's one of only 19 states where citizens can actually bypass the legislature entirely and put measures on the ballot and. And that's the really big well, problem. Well, and, and, and the thing is, that now, this is mostly a Western state thing. In fact, the only states east of the Mississippi that have this, Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, and Florida, and Florida this is kind of difficult for reasons we won't get into. But I, I get the sense, Jay, that you're not really crazy about the whole initiative process in the first place, right? I'm, I'm not crazy about the initiative process uh, for constitutional amendments. Um, I'm okay with the initiative process for, for statutes. Uh, and this this grew out of the 1912 uh, Ohio Constitution when progressivism was in in full bloom, um, and and so the Ohio Constitution does have these these periods of, of you have an automatic referendum period of 90 days uh, before a, a, a law code goes into effect. Um, there are exceptions, um, but but that's the the idea is so you've got 90 days to have a referendum and repeal it if you want. Um, and, I, and quite honestly, I think I think that referendum always tends to make more sense to me than initiative, right? Because referendum, you're just saying no, we don't like this. Uh, initiative, you have people who are drafting the thing um, uh, on their own and and then trying to sell it. You don't always get what you want, what uh, what you think you're getting. Um, but the big problem with Ohio is, you know, this, it takes the same number of signatures, the same number of votes, uh, et cetera, to to pass a statute by initiative as it does a constitutional amendment. Might as well do that. So the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why not? Uh, uh, the constitutional amendment. And, and thus the, the problem is the Ohio constitution has become something of a, a Christmas tree um, for, for special interests, right? You, you, if you read through the Ohio constitution, you get this, uh, you, you start off with your, your various branches of government and, and your, your, your guaranteed rights and your, freedom of speech and religion and guns and, and, and all that. And then you start getting into um, casinos and where they will be located <laughs> and racetracks and where they'll be located and the size of the gaming tables. Um, this is, you know, in the constitution. Uh, and then there's other things like um, uh, oh, victims rights stuff, which again, I'm all for victims rights. Um, but, you know, this whole big section in the constitution of, of enshrining that and now we've got uh abortion and and weed the abortion one at least i think you can make the argument that all right maybe that belongs in the constitution i mean like fundamental rights right? sort of thing if that's yeah. your position um, sure like casinos no, no fundamental is, is right to casinos off. yeah i get you yeah yeah and again so, so especially some of the marijuana which which is something you would say um all right if it's going to be legal then there should be a a regulation regime it's necessarily going to be more complex uh, and complicated than than what you've got. Um, uh, the, the, you know, again, the initi initiative tends to be sort of a blunt instrument. Um, it allows those special interests to kind of hide whatever language they want um, in, I, in that. Uh, but in on that the plus initiative. side, on the plus side, it 
allows for a, if you have an instance where the legislature is clearly not interested in what the majority of the population wants, it allows you to actually. And so I, I get I get your point about the legislative language and all, all that. But there can be I think you would acknowledge an advantage to going around an unresponsive legislature. No, but what, what they did last time, Mike, and you, and you, you would know this, but our, our listeners wouldn't. Um, the initial uh, marijuana regulation in Ohio, which which had to do with uh, um, uh, you know gummies and CBD, and and you know that um, is legal, not one hundred percent legal. Um, but <laughs> the, the way the way that was handled was there was this threat of a referendum's coming. Um, so the legislature moved and said, all right, we're going to allow these forms of, of marijuana and we're going to allow medicinal marijuana up to a certain, you know, here's this regulated. And then we have the whole big system of here's the, the number of licenses we're going to have for growers and here's the number of licenses we're going to have for dispensaries. Um, and there was this whole big, big process. And, and I'm, you know. It was a some pain. Was, I mean, I, I looked. Bad. In, I looked into getting my pot card, and it was just too much work. I just said, you know, I don't need to get high <laughs> well, that badly. You know. Too much work, man. I'll get my drugs on the illegal market, like everyone else. I guess no. I, but uh, but yeah, but you know what I'm saying yeah, is, yeah. is on something like that. I I do. I mean, think of it this way: what if um, what if we're in in uh, 1912 uh, or something like that, and the automobile is just becoming popular? And someone, uh, you know, they pass that same year that they uh, read the Ohio Constitution. Let's have a constitutional right uh, to your car. Um, well, wait a second. And there's there's a whole lot of stuff that, that goes in there. Right. That, uh, uh, you know, you would say, I don't, I don't need to go. I don't need no license plate. I don't need to see no no BMV. Um, you know, it's in the Constitution. And I think that's that's the problem. Right. With with certain. No, I agree with you on that. I, I think this stuff yeah. should be. Uh, a statute and not constitutional amendment. So on that, we we absolutely agree. Well, let's move off of Ohio and talk about that Kentucky. I like talking about Ohio. See, I, I know a lot about I, Ohio. I know you do, but let's let's move let's move next door, right to the south, uh, Kentucky. Uh, you know, it, it seems strange. I think to a lot of people that Republicans couldn't win a state that was that's so deeply red. And uh, wh what do you think the problem was for your party here, Jay? Um, I don't know. I guess, it, but I would start by saying it's it wasn't really unexpected, was it? I mean, Bashir was what had a had a pretty significant lead. Well, no, in the polls I, going in, I'll say this: it was it was it was thought it might be kind of close, but Bashir has been for a while now one of the most popular governors in the country, which is weird. A Democratic yeah. governor who squeaked through in his his last election against a incredibly unpopular Republican, somehow becoming one of the most popular governors. Maybe that's something to do with the fact that Kentucky has a Republican supermajority in both chambers. So it's not like he can do anything or stop anything that right. Kentucky Republican. He's a nice enough guy. And, yeah, uh, seems okay. It's the, pretty harmless as long as we've got the, the legislature. I, I, exactly. You know, part of it, I think also is, and it does get on abortion again, because he really he really hit Cameron hard on, and Cameron was his opponent, on his yeah. stance on abortion. And again, I think Democrats recognize that this is a good issue for us until Republicans figure it out, and let's hope they don't. Right. And Cameron, a, a, a statewide African-American Republican candidate in Kentucky. So you think there might have been, uh, it sounds like you're suggesting maybe a racism element there? No. I don't know. Okay. You know Kentucky you, better than I do. You you raised it. Um, that's why I asked. That's all. I no, know. I I I raised it simply because I uh it's almost an anti racism. Um I don't mean that in the Abraham hmm. X uh, Kendi way. Gotcha. Um but but that that look, um the the nominee of the Republican Party in a southern Kentucky wasn't technically a, a secessionist state. Um you know, had as their gubernatorial uh, uh, choice a, a black man, um, much like uh, you know the the Ohio Republican Party chose Ken Blackwell back in whatever it was two thousand six two thousand four, um, who who went on to lose two thousand eight I guess went on to lose disastrously. Um, but I, I think that that says something. I'm I'm just making the point because I like to make the point when I can. Uh, the Republicans are are so often accused of being uh, racist, uh, so forth. 
Um, these are the people who come out of Republican parties, uh, Republican primaries, with the most conservative, most uh, uh, active voters voting. So, I and finally, now apparently, apparently the the uh, um, um, uh, Democrats, uh, I suppose, could have all voted racially. I, I also thought of. Um, you know, Mike, it's because we're doing this Friday afternoon and I'm, I tend to be more awake and more caffeinated than I, I am when we do the Saturday morning ones. But, um, you know, that same year, uh, it was uh, Ken Blackwell and Josh Mandel um, also went down uh, in big, big numbers, right, in Ohio. Um, and I, I have to just always wonder if it had been the other way around, right, that, that they, they had been Democrats. Would the headline have been, um, you know, voters reject, reject the black Jewish candidates? Um, but you didn't see that. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, that's ancient history now. So. There you go. Now, now, moving to Virginia, I mean, there were some I mentioned this because there have been some moderate Republicans, some Republican money folks who were thinking maybe Youngkin really pulls a amazing, does an amazing job here in Virginia and gets the legislature to become you know, solidly Republican. And then we can convince him to make a late entry into the Republican race and save us from Donald Trump. And uh, that, that always seemed a little far-fetched to me, but any, any thoughts on the Virginia race? Or Virginia results? So I think Virginia is more of, look, that was going to be an uphill slog to begin with, right? I mean, I'd say Virginia would, would be a blue state that is maybe trending purple now, right? Um, so I, I think it's, it's one of those, that was going to be an uphill battle to begin with. Um, from the inside baseball perspective, I know there have been criticisms of um, from from Youngkin and and uh, Virginia Republicans about they had sought assistance from uh, the the National uh, Republican Party uh, kind of late in the election of of can you get us a little bit more money and we can maybe flip a couple of these seats and the the answer was no. Um, if you're a conspiracy or the maybe the answer was deafening silence. Uh, if you're a conspiracy theorist uh, along those lines, I mean, maybe that that sort of fits also. But, um, yeah, Virginia, it's, it seems to me, was um, I think maybe the the idea that, that they were going to take the legislature was um, a little over optimistic for Republicans. Um, uh, and, and I think it just kind of played out as, you know, as it probably would. So and that that one didn't. You know, again, it, you know, did a big surprise one way or another? No, not really, because uh, I could see it going. And, and it was. It, it is very close, razor thin there. So, Well, since I mentioned uh, Youngkin as a presidential candidate, that won't happen. But there, there actually are some Republican presidential candidates not named Trump. And this last week, they actually took part in a debate uh, that I guess somebody watched on this is Wednesday, November 8th in Miami. And. I feel I mean, we have we have a little bit of time left. I feel like we need to mention it as, you know, a thing that happened. But to me, here's my take, Jay, an ever shrinking pool of increasingly desperate people trying to figure out some way to position themselves as an alternative to Donald Trump without alienating his base, except for Chris Christie, who's more who's at least more comfortable. His whole entire know, purpose you know, is but, but I mean, alienating his base. Yeah, but I mean Trump's Trump's up over forty points on DeSantis, who's in number second place, and he's up around twenty points on the entire Republican field combined. I mean, so I guess I ask Jay, is there I mean, Donald Trump has been saying cancel the rest of the debates. There's no point to this. And I gotta say I, I sort of see his point. What do you think? No, I think there's a point to it um, in that, um, you know, look, uh, for the same reason that, that there's a point uh, where the Democrats should have thought harder uh, about their, their vice presidential choice uh, last time out. Um, Trump could get hit by a bus tomorrow um, or he could actually, you know, be found guilty and in, in locked up. Um, I understand the the argument that he does better uh, when he's being persecuted and prosecuted. Um, the 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 trouble is some of this stuff. For example, look, if I'm um, and I've said this a number of times, I think this this New York case is is absolute nonsense. Uh, it's a, a victimless uh, crime, and you know it's it's uh, you know a fraud claim where no one was actually defrauded. Um, 
And or, well, where no one suffered any for, damages, but yeah, I see your point. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's, that's yeah, defrauded if you didn't, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, well, you, you tricked me into getting my entire investment back, uh, you know. I, um, so I, 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 and and it was brought for political reasons from the very start, right? The attorney general said, I'm going to, you know, part of her campaign promise was I'm going to find something to prosecute Donald Trump over. Um uh, likewise, the Alvin Bragg one, right? I, I feel the same way about that. That's just really uh, stretching it. Um, but when you get to some of these other ones, I, I think it, it becomes a little tougher, right? Um, the 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 document case. Uh, I, I don't. I still don't think the, the January sixth case is particularly legally strong, but I do think it's it's politically more dangerous. Uh, the document case, I think, could be could be both. Um, and I, I'm wondering, there's that 40%, but but could it evaporate quickly? Um, could we need to have an understudy uh, in short order? Sure. Okay. So I think that's why it's important to do this. It's also more. It's also important for the purpose of uh, defining what the party is going to be, who they're going to be, and people lining up for the, the post-Trump world. Okay, that's that's reasonable. Right? Is you know the idea is Trump the flash in the pan of uh, this more um, nationalistic, isolationist, although I wouldn't necessarily even describe Trump as isolationist compared to uh, Ramaswamy, right? Um, Trump just but, wants to uh, win. He's the candidate of winning. Exactly. You know, so I'm tired of um, winning. You'll get tired of it. Yeah, so, but, but you know, it, it, what, um, what's the, the future of the party going to look like? Uh, so I think these debates are are important for that. Uh, and I would also say, I think the, the in this case, unlike some of the other uh, ones, uh, I think there was a clear winner, and I think it was Nikki Haley. Yeah, who is certainly emerging as uh, a strong rival to DeSantis in that fallback position sort of thing. And yeah. you see a few other dynamics, like uh, you can make a case that Tim Scott is trying to position himself as a Trump vice presidential choice, and, and maybe there's a possibility of that. Though I'll point out that Donald Trump last week said... Hey, he was maybe even thinking about Tucker Carlson. <laughs> so he said, I like Tucker a lot. You know, uh, he's got great common sense. And I thought, well, you know, I guess you're OK with him, you know, hating you passionately. So long as uh, anyway, but uh, somehow I don't well, see. And then, look, I think I think part of the reason I don't want to say part of the reason, but, but Trump's victory in, in 2016 was it wasn't a squeaker, but it, it, it wasn't a blow up by any means. No, it was pretty um, close. Yeah. I mean, a couple, you know, 20,000 or whatever votes one yeah. way or the other. And I think and boom, I yeah. think for for him to have done that, I I think he needed Mike Pence on the ticket. Right. To reassure your more traditional conservatives. Yeah. So you don't think and Tucker think Carlson will reassure anyone? Or <laughs> I don't I don't think Tucker Carlson would be reassuring. No, not. No. Um, now, they might say, well, we got to make sure we take care of Trump, because if he goes, Tucker Carlson will be president. And oh, my God, <laughs> well, that maybe that's maybe that's the case. Um, uh, be like on every night from the Oval Office, just do yeah, a show, right? Exactly. All right. Well, I think we'll we'll wrap up on, on that note. We still have a lot we, we really wanted to get into, like that New York Times Siena College poll that looks not good at all for Joe Biden. The censure of Representative Tlaib for her comments about the Israel Hamas, uh, Hamas situation, that big Second Amendment case and more. So we will get to that on the Supporters Midweek show. And if you are a supporter, you will be getting that. Well, Tuesday, we release it every Tuesday morning. And if you're not, you will get a preview. Uh, but if you want to get the whole thing, well, because we hope you'll consider becoming a supporter. You don't get just that. You get ad-free episodes of everything we put out, that full-length midweek show, access to our Discord group where you can interact with us, even other stuff like we had a couple listeners who are joining us right now because they're supporters. That's something we offer as well. So if you want to find out more about any of that, patreon.com slash politics guys you can also support the us behind on the scenes experience there you go absolutely you know it's which we didn't we didn't have quite as much this week but there is a little last time i last time i had to take a phone call to defend freedom in the middle of the show that and was all exciting that, so. yeah you know that politics guys unfiltered i guess and if you can yeah. handle it so but there's that there's this, this week all the other all the other defenders of freedom are at the uh federal society national uh conference well you know that as um, as they should be so there's a so i'm stuck here yeah alone oh, oh, uh, oh well well i'm glad you're stuck here <laughs> with me. mine in the store yeah there you <laughs> so. go so but but also uh folks if you want to support us on venmo you can do that we're at politics guys or through paypal 
you can always find that those links in our show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you want to get the full length midweek show, but you are not in the position to financially support us, send me an email, Mike at politicsguys.com, and I will make sure you get that full length midweek show every week. And whether you support us or not financially, it helps us. It's a lot. Uh, it's a big deal. If you can subscribe, rate us, review us on your podcast app, and share episodes on social media. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that through mail, regular old email. Sorry, not snail mail, but regular old email at mail at politicsguys.com, the Discord channel I already mentioned, as well as Facebook and X. And you'll find links to those in the show notes. And finally, as always, a very special thanks to our executive producers. They are a fantastic bunch, a fantastic brunch. They are not a brunch. They are a bunch, um, but I would have them for brunch. Anyway, uh, Bruce Johnson, Will Moreno, Andre Masker, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, and Don Oglesby. Folks, come on over to my place for brunch. We'll set it up. It'll be wonderful. Anyway, we'll be back with a new episode for you next week. We hope you'll join us.